You seem like you did have fun in med school. Didn't at some point somebody stole a keg from your party? Okay, I think <laughs> Yeah, but that's not that wasn't a lot of fun. We were having a party and some teenagers came and stole our keg and the guys at the party were so bummed they felt very emasculated that some like fifteen year olds came and got the keg and went running down the street with it and we couldn't stop. Welcome to the podcast. This is Generations MD. My name is Stephanie Davis, and I'm joined here by my colleague, also known as <laughs> my mom, Sarah Davis. Dr. Sarah Davis. Um, so how are you doing? You just went to New York. I am doing fantastic. Oh. <laughs> wow. I just That's had to the most amazing weekend. Like, just amazing. I feel so good. I just, I'm relaxed. I'm refreshed. I feel just Great. How are you relaxed and refreshed after going to New York City? Mm, well, because I was meeting up with five of my good friends from medical school. So we had six doctors. KUMC hotties. <laughs> hey, that's what our group text is called. That's a private thing. Um, that's what we call ourselves, yes. So that's uh, it's six of us that all graduated the same year from... KU Med School, and we try to do a trip once a year, usually in the fall. It's we've Once in a while, we have to take time off for this or that, but we try to get together at least once a year. And so this year, we were going to New York City because one of our friends lives in New York. And we just, it's just such a great group to travel with. And it's so fun to see everybody and catch up from the last year. And it's really just... It's great. I mean, we had fun in Manhattan, and then we went uh, to a vacation home in the country a little, about an hour outside of New York, and we did meditation and hiking and shopping and a show and dinner and wonderful cooking and massages and lots of fireside chats, and it was just, oh, it just, it couldn't have been better. Well, that's yeah. some high praise. Yeah, yeah. So how have you been able to stay in touch with all your med school friends and everything? Yeah, well, you know, it's not easy. The um, We had some times during residency, of course, it was hard to really keep in touch. And, and of course, back in the olden days, we didn't have texting and, and those kinds of things that makes it easier to keep in touch like it is now. Um, and really, I think there was a period of, of a while where we weren't seeing each other that much because, of course, we all did residency and then we started having babies either for some people at the very end of residency and then for those years after residency. So that's really difficult to go on trips or get together with people. But I think we all reconnected at one of our reunions and we were at a point where our kids were a little bit older and we could easily, more easily get away for a weekend. And that's when we started doing this, these trips. It's just, it's fun having a bunch of doctors as friends when you're a doctor. And the other thing that I want to say for anybody who is thinking about going to medical school and you think it's just going to be complete torture for all like like your life doesn't even start from until after you have finished med school and training and I would say that's not true obviously tons of hard work in medical school and residency but also lots of fun Uh, we did we had a great time 
in medical school and we had great friends. And the other thing that's really fun is you're all on the exact same schedule, at least for the first two years. That's how we had it. So we had all the same classes. Our tests were always at the same time. And that made it just really fun. So we'd all finish a big test and then go out and have a fun weekend and then come back Monday and start working hard again. So there's plenty of uh, plenty of good times that can be had in medical school. The nerds can be cool. <laughs> the nerds can be cool. They can be fun. Yes. I think people also think that it's all just going to be surrounded by a bunch of gunners and a bunch of people because in undergrad, there's a pretty toxic pre-med community that's around and people are pretty cutthroat and you can get stuck in the weaves of that kind of type A personality of people who are just, yeah, toxic and trying to compete and super competitive. And I was lucky that like my, I joined FIDE, the medical fraternity, and we had a recruitment process and everything. And people that we let into the club were people who actually like wanted to help and support each other. Like we always shared notes. Like we always, like we had MCAT preps and people like actually wanted to give back and like give advice and help. That's nice. And we didn't want to take the people that one wouldn't, didn't want to share and didn't want to talk about like, oh, this is how I studied for this test. They want to like keep stuff to themselves. And then people who were like teacher blamers and people who were complainers, like you could kind of see it was not only like an academic club, but also a social club. And you could kind of see the types of people that we wanted were not those typical those pre-med people. people. Yeah, because there are a lot of those typical pre-med people. Uh, when when I was at UCLA, they, you, know, we, you would finish a test. And then after the test, they would post the answers to the test uh, you know, just outside the lecture hall so that you could see those answers so that you could study for the next test and have that material. But they always had to post it under glass because otherwise people would go and rip those down so that people couldn't use that to study for, which is just so absurd as if, you know, the, kind of the idea was, oh, you it's graded on a curve. And so if that person is doing better, that's going to somehow really affect my grade. And, and, you know, it just, it doesn't really work like that. There, there are certainly plenty of toxic people in medical school, um, but you just gotta avoid those people. I mean, you know, you can spot them a mile away. You know who those people are. Those people that just have that real negative energy. Same thing. The teacher blamers, just always, you know, everything's all miserable. Why are they doing this to us? Well, I mean, come to think of it, if you go into any doctor's lounge, you'll hear a lot of those kind of conversations as well. Yeah, and it also, it did make me nervous going into medical school because, well, I look at you and you're so close with all of those people and all those women and they just seem like genuinely good people. And I was just scared because of the pre-med culture in Clemson and like besides the people in FIDE, there are just people who are, I just like can't stand being around because they're so toxic and competitive and just like want to like, climb the ladder and shove everybody else down but well yeah and I just could and there are those types of people that feel that the only way that they can succeed is by putting other people down yeah Uh, and my actual friend group in college was so great like everyone was really successful and everyone was wanted to do well and everything but they were still social and fun and a lot of people did go into the healthcare field but um, no one is pursuing med school and what made me feel a little bit better was that summer in Charleston when oh, yeah. I made that really good group of friends and shout out to all of them. Um, Sophie said that she listened to the podcast and she really liked it. Nice. So. Shout out to Sophie. <laughs> um, but all those people were going into 
were wanting to pursue medicine and they were all just genuinely good, hardworking people, but not the same type of person who was wanted to shove everybody down and build themselves up. And I think in general, people who are more confident and feel good about themselves don't have to put other people down to make themselves feel good. And so I think there are plenty of people that are like that in medicine and in medical school. And hopefully by the time people get there that they can start to feel a little more confident. You don't have to put other people down in med school for you to look good. You're already there. All you have to do is just learn the material and keep going and you're going to do just fine. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that there are plenty of great people like my friends uh, that are in medical school and that became doctors. And so there's, there's hope. There's lots of great people out there. You seem like you did have fun in med school. You guys talk about (laughs) (laughs) going to the jigger after the bar, after big tests. Didn't at some point somebody stole a keg from your party? Okay, I think that. <laughs> yeah, but that's not that wasn't a lot of fun. We were having a party and some teenagers came and stole our keg and the guys at the party were so bummed they felt very emasculated that some like fifteen year olds came and got the keg and went running down the street that's with so it and we sad. couldn't stop. Them. You all the med school nerds were having a party and then the high school oh, kids came and took our beer. We couldn't even get it back. That is sad. But, you know, we bought more beer. We were okay. (laughs) You guys were having keggers. You guys sound like you were having a fun time. Well, we did. You know, there's, there was plenty of time to have fun. Uh, We also used to go down to the Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, Somebody had a lake house down there and we'd go there for the weekend and go guess it was water skiing then not wakeboarding water skiing and tubing and uh and we would cook wonderful meals together and have a have a fun fun weekend again now when you're studying when there's a big test coming up you're all just studying 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 um and it's fine and it's great too because it's saturday night and none of your friends are going out because we're all studying for the big test on monday i remember the when ku was in the final four this was such a bummer because, you know, the final four, you've got the game on uh, Saturday, and then if they win, they were going to play on Monday. We were supposed to have a test on Tuesday, and our professor told us, okay, if KU wins on Saturday and is playing in the final on Monday, then our test on Tuesday will be postponed for, like, I don't know, at least a, a few days or a week or whatever it was. He was a big KU basketball fan. <laughs> Um, And so I have never rooted for a team harder (laughs) than on that Saturday. We were all there. We're all watching the game. We had kegs on reserve. Um, And so then it was like. This is you who doesn't care about sports. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, I cared a lot about that game. And then womp, womp, they lost. And so we all had to leave the afternoon where we were all together and uh went to the library to go study for our test on tuesday that's a bummer that was a bummer but you know that's all right because again everybody else was doing the same thing so all 30 people at the party all just you know packed up our stuff and you know went to the library it's not like when you're the only one like in college a lot of times you're the one that's like i gotta study you guys go have fun i gotta do this and so i think that part is you know it's just hard you you're sometimes having 
FOMO. That's actually so true. I didn't really think about that because none of my friends were in the same classes or doing the same stuff. So sometimes it would be like, oh, I'd be the one having to study. Or like one of my friends couldn't come because they had to study. And like that was a bummer because, okay, everybody in that's in biochem right now all has a big test. So they can't all come. Like, yeah. But we, you know, and I, I assume it's still like that today. I mean, all... All of us had all the same classes at all the same times. Yeah. So you're sitting there in a big lecture hall, and you just stay in that lecture hall, and your professors come in and out, kind of like grade school. But again, everybody's everybody's got the same the same classes, the same work, the same workload. It's not like somebody can be like, oh, well, I've just got a really hard workload. No, you have the exact same thing that I do. So Yeah, that's so true. You can't complain like, my major is so hard. Like this is this class that I have to take for my major is right. so hard. Like, okay, man, you can't <laughs> like, even complain about the professor. You all have yes, the same professor. Yes, no you know? professor. <laughs> I hate the professor complaining. Like, oh well, I'm in biochem too, but I have so and so professor, so it's so much harder. Like, right. okay, like can't right. do it, can't do it. <laughs> oh, I am just bummed because I loved my college friends so much. Like, I loved them. They were my people. But I went to school out of state, and a lot of my other friends were out of state too, so everyone just kind of dispersed all over the country, and now we don't all live in the same spot. But And in Kansas, that was a, kind of the same thing with your friends at med school. But I guess my point being, how do you think your, like, friendships were different in college versus in grad school and then, like, in your professional life? I don't know. It, for me, in college, I had a lot more acquaintances and not as... I had a few really close friends and a lot more acquaintances. And then in med school, I think I had more close friends. But people still did scatter after med school because people go to residency all over the place. Uh, so you kind of have the same thing with the scattering. So you just have to work hard to maintain those friendships. I have told people when people talk about going to college in different places, I think that's the pros and cons of going to college in a smaller college town. It's great while you're there, but nobody's going to stay there somewhere yeah. like Clemson. Well, even, but even like my friend Kelsey, she went to Texas A&M. And all of her friends are now either in Dallas or Houston, so it's super easy for everybody to meet up. So even if you go to a small college town, I mean, also a lot of people who went to Clemson, they all go move to Charlotte or to Atlanta. So that's true. Or Charleston, people stay in that area, so it's really easy to meet up. But if you, I didn't really think about going far away, of that being a barrier to maintaining friendships. But maintaining friendships is hard no matter what. I think even if you are whether you're close by or far away geographically you just have to have people that make those friendships a priority and I think that happens in all phases of life so that's true then some people are so much better that is like Kelsey's is so good at keeping in touch with people like she shout out to Kelsey yeah she has friends from when she was so young like a kid and she's just so good at like maintaining those friendships and other people, I feel like it's hard. My college friends, like, it's hard to get people to get together. So that's definitely going to be a challenge. It's going to be Georgia and great at keeping in touch with people. Like, yeah. she will just pick up the phone and call all the time. Like, we are, we're, we always call all the time. Sometimes people are just better at it than other people. Yeah, some people are just very good at reaching out. And when you, when you have somebody, and then it's really great if you have somebody who reaches out and if they are an organizer and they plan something. I think it would be great if you guys could find some sort of annual event to try to meet up at every year. And And we went to Clemson Homecoming. Clemson Homecoming is a great one. Yeah. If you could get people to kind of do that, and then it's on the calendar, and then if everybody will try to come there, 
that will help. That will help a ton. And every time you all get together, then it just sort of reinvigorates For the whole sure. thing. When we all went to homecoming, then it was like, oh, wait, like, this is so fun. Like, I miss hanging out with you guys every day. Yeah. And then your group chat just explodes for a while. And then it kind of... I'm going to keep in the group chat rolling. Just all, I'm probably a little... I text a little too much in the group chat. Well, you can always silence those people <laughs> if you need to. We we realized at this weekend that we're actually in a really great time to do some big trips together because we're all either empty nesters or a few people are almost empty nesters. And then pretty soon, well, maybe it's going to be a little while, but at some point we're going to start being grandparents if, you know, if all goes well. And if you're good enough, <laughs> if I'm good I enough. say that I threaten to not give her grandchildren if she misbehaves. If I miss, and so that's the only thing keeping me in line. <laughs> uh, but, you know, because then, then it'll be hard to get away because it's like, oh, no, so-and-so's getting married. So-and-so's having a baby. We can't go here. We can't go there. Because uh, several of my friends have three kids. And, you know, if they're all within a few years of each other. There's going to be a baby boom coming at some point. And so we've got a few years here where we got to, we got to really capitalize on this because you do have, you know, just like we're talking about with you with med school and training and, you know, and then when you start getting married and having your family and, and all that, it just, it's really hard to get away for a whole weekend, but it's so important. You gotta, you gotta do it. I'll take care of the kids while you go hang out with your college friends. Oh yeah. I would be happy to drop the kids off with you. I feel like you never like, you always brought us places. Like, you never... Like, I feel like I'm going to ditch my kids and just want to, like, go on a trip. Well, you might not like your kids as much as I liked my kids. <laughs> true. Your, my kids might not be as fantastic as your kids were. <laughs> That's true. It's hard to say. Um, but, you know, I just... I didn't really have a situation where I had somebody really close by that lived near me. So that's another reason why you should try to live near your mother. Um, so that you can easily just... You know. No, that's true. Some of my friends talk about how they would just get dropped off at grandma and grandma's house for like three weeks during the summer and mom and dad were off doing whatever. <laughs> Sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I only did that just a handful of times. Okay. So besides talking about the, the toxic people in medical school, what, what else kind of worries you about meeting people in medical school? Whenever I get in contact with a med student, I just want to kind of berate them with questions and especially just about socially. I'm like, are you able to have fun? And -hmm. I don't even mean that, like, are you able to go out, but are you able to take a weekend trip sometimes? Are you able to keep in touch with people? Are you able to set your work aside for an evening and go play pickleball? Like, are you able to enjoy yourself? Is there any sort of balance? Because I just feel like the way people talk about it, they're like, there's no balance. Yeah. And I just want people that prioritize balance a little more, which is really hard to do, especially if you've made it that far to be able to get to that point. I think that's true. I think it's hard for people to find that to find that balance, and especially because you're just, you've been, you've had to be very intense for a long time to get to that point, and then it's it's really, it's hard to just kind of dial it down. We were talking about the fact that now med schools are mostly pass-fail for their, for instead of having grades, which I think is fantastic, 
But it's kind of hard to just say like, oh, okay, I know this material well enough. You're used to being like, I have to have this perfectly mastered. I got to know every single possible question that they could ever throw at me. And so it, I think it's hard to be to just study for a test and then say, okay, I think I'm ready for the test. Yeah, that's what somebody was saying was that you'll never feel ready and you'll yeah. always just, you're not going to learn everything. That's yeah. just how it's going to be. You're going to miss something and you're not going to know everything. Well, and you don't know everything when you're in practice, too. Being in family medicine, it's, you know, people come to me with all kinds of different problems. And some of those I really feel very, very comfortable with. Like, this is, okay, I know this very, very well. And some things I don't know very well. uh, And I just, I can either look those things up or I can also refer them to a specialist if it's something that I just feel is not my area of expertise so now you can't just refer people all the time for everything that would be super lame which i do see people do that by the way but anyway there's no way i could possibly know everything about everything especially because everything is always changing there's always new things coming out and i read tons and tons of literature study new studies coming out but i i'm still never going to know as much as a cardiologist about cardiology I guess also just like I want people that will prioritize social engagement, not only just above school, but people and some people, I feel like the types of people who are going into med school are also the types of people who like work out really hard and eat really healthy and like all this stuff and like people kind of get into their own zone with that. And I just want to be able to find a group of people that doesn't have a toxic relationship with all those things, which I think is kind of fits into the personality of somebody going to med school but also somebody who wants to, who understands the balance within those things too. Because I think the people who like study really hard are also the people who work out really hard and kind of that optimization of health mindset and don't kind of fit in like social engagement in in that category. Right, right. But you've got to have some moderation. <laughs> if you go too intense on any of those things, it's not going to be healthy in the long run. Yeah, I think to... Um, I guess, oh, what? I forgot, I lost my train of thought. Um, I don't know. Well, I think I hear you saying you want to avoid those kind of toxic people because you don't want to get roped oh, in. Yes, I def- that too. But then also I think just going back to you said, that's not going to help you in life. I think that the types of people who want to just climb up the ladder and push everybody else down are also not the types of people who are going to make it well in life. That's what I always say. So I hope that, and if you're that type of person, then you're not going to be surrounded by good people and that's not going to work out for you. Right, right. I just want to make friends. (laughs) You just want to make friends. I want to be able to find good people. Ah, I think, I mean, I really, really think that med school is a great place to find great people. So... I want to talk about my interviews, my med school interviews, and how what that entails. So for interviews, sometimes they'll do a traditional interview, so you'll just talk to somebody and they'll ask you your greatest strength and weakness and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of times they do these things called MMIs. What does that stand for? Multi-mini interview. So in that you have, normally it's around six to seven uh, short segments where... There will be somebody that pops up on normally the screen if it's 
on Zoom and they'll ask you some sort of ethical question or dilemma and then you have about one minute to think of your response and then you have about five minutes to answer the question. So sometimes aren't they like their whole scenarios, right? Yeah, so their whole scenarios. So you'll be able to read the prompt, think about the scenario, and then bam, you have to answer. That gives me anxiety just hearing that. So what we're going to do today... Oh, no, no, no! Is we're going to do MMI scenarios, ethical questions. so mean. So I'm going to give you... This scenario, I'm going to give you one minute to think about your response. You want to feel my palms? My palms are sweating. <laughs> and then you're going to have to decipher what you're going to do in this ethical dilemma. So this is what I had to do for my med school interviews. Okay, but we've already established I'm not going to get into med school anyway. So I, I got nothing to lose. So I'm going to read the question. I'm going to give you one minute to think about your response. And then I'm going to give you three minutes to answer the question. Okay. Your best friend confesses to you that she hit a person a month ago while driving under the influence. She tells you that she kept driving because she was scared and feels really guilty about the incident. How would you respond? Go. Well, that's horrible. Okay. Okay. Are you ready to respond? (laughs) She tells you about it. So just, she comes up and she tells you about it. Like, what are you going to say to her? Okay. Well, first I'm just going to kind of talk to her about the incident and exactly, and kind of find out, well, exactly what happened. I'd like to know if she has any idea what happened to the person. I mean, if she thinks, I think she would know if that person died or not, but uh, maybe not, maybe not. So I would you know, ask her for some more information about it. And then I would say to her, well, what, what is it that's making you tell me this at this point? Um, obviously, are you asking for my advice or are you just wanting to tell somebody or what, what is the purpose of you telling me this information? Um, and then I would try to talk to her about the fact that she was drinking and driving and what was going on with that. And if this is something that happens often, do we think there's an alcoholism problem going on? Or was this just a very bizarre, isolated incident? and try to get to kind of the heart of uh, whether or not there's an alcohol abuse issue because that's going to need to be addressed. I don't know, man. I guess I, and you know, I know that you know there's some sort of right answer here. Is there a right answer? No. Well, you did good. You asked her, you asked her like why she was, you. Am did, I done? Yeah, sure. Okay. You're done. Okay. So you did good. You asked her like why she's telling you this, a lot of like understanding the perspective, the alcoholism thing. That was a good throw in. Okay. Um, but yeah, but then it's like, okay, now like you got to take action. What are you going to do? I like the encouraging her to tell the authorities, but then you got to be like, if she doesn't, then I'm going to go tell them. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. You have a patient with uh, cystic fibrosis, okay. a terrible autosomal recessive disease. As a geneticist, you have decided to do a DNA screen of the mother, father, and child to determine oh, which I can see where this is going. are mutated and assesses a risk chance. Upon screening, you realize that the father does not have any mutations that could cause CF. The husband is not the boy's biological father. What do you do as a physician? But why were we doing the screening? I mean, to determine which genes are which genes are causing the CF. Are we also talking about for the parents of having like oh, future yes, children? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's where yeah. it does become relevant. Because at yes. first I was like, hey, you know, nobody asked me. I yeah, really yeah, okay, know, yeah. But... So they're deciding if they're going to have future children. They're assessing risk. I mean, come on, lady. You know that that's not your... <laughs> <laughs> that he's not the baby daddy. I mean, come on. <laughs> what are 
like the, that. But the father doesn't. I know the father doesn't know, but um, so what? Well, okay. So first, I'm going to ask some questions and gather some information. I don't know. I feel like kind of got all the information I need to know. Um, <laughs> that, but I mean, I think that this is one of those cases where you really do. I mean, they have come to me for information. I now have these facts. I just have to tell them the facts. Uh, The fact is that there is very little chance that this couple is going to have another child affected with this same disorder, as long as she's not playing around some more. (laughs) I mean, as much as on these things you kind of try to, like, baby around, but sometimes you just also have to say the facts. True. That's facts, man. Okay. Yeah. That's. Ooh, can I tell about it? something that happened to me? Yeah. As long as we're talking about stuff. Oh, this was just, this was really heartbreaking. Uh, this was a long, long time ago when I was early in practice. And I had a patient who was coming in for mental status changes for, you know, early onset dementia. And one of the, so there's kind of a battery of tests that you routinely do when you're looking at this. One of the things that you look for is latent syphilis, because maybe there's a chance if you treat them with some penicillin and that latent syphilis is causing those symptoms that uh, you can you can help that potentially by giving them some some treatment for the syphilis. So it's just part of the standard workup. You always check these labs looking for syphilis and you just get used to checking all the boxes. All right, standard dementia workup, check, 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 check. And you just don't even think about it. And so then this one screening test came back positive and I said, oh, sometimes you get a, a false positive on that. We'll, ser- we'll send it for the confirmatory test to see if she really has syphilis. Well, sure enough, the confirmatory t- comes back on this 80 year old lady that she had had syphilis. Now it's it's kind of an antibody test, so that doesn't mean she really had active syphilis, but she had had syphilis at one point. Well, it was so, so tragic. So then I'm trying to tell this lady that she had syphilis and I wanna treat her with some shots of antibiotic. Her husband had died, you know, 10 or 15 years before or something. And she he had given her syphilis. Wait, how do you know she wasn't just fooling around in the retirement home because she's SDEs run rampant in those places okay number one she didn't live in a retirement oh, home okay. um, and that is true there is lots of chlamydia especially in mm-hmm. these uh, in in these places but when I told her about this I was I just I tried to be as gentle as possible but then she broke down crying and said oh I can't believe this is coming back after all of these years and basically he had you know she knew that he had cheated on her and I I don't know exactly what the extent was but she knew he had given her sexually transmitted diseases before oh my god and again the guy has been dead for a long time now and the daughter was there too the daughter had no idea about (gasps) any of this so I'm the daughter ends up finding out and it was just so I felt horrible because of course I gave her those shots of penicillin and it didn't make any difference whatsoever Yeah. yeah and I felt like doing that test and checking for that ended up doing so much more harm 
than if I had just never checked it in the first place. So if you went back, what would you do? I don't know. It's a tough thing because you kind of think with dementia is such a terrible, terrible illness. If there is something that's potentially reversible, you really want to find it. But it didn't even end up making a difference, right? Did not in this but case. But you wouldn't know that if you went. Right. I wouldn't have known. I don't know. It's it's a very tricky thing because y- you want, what you kind of want to do is check it and then just kind of give her some shots and not really talk about it. But yeah. you really can't just hide information from people. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Uh, you can comment and say, what do you, what would be a good solution? What would be a better thing that could, that you could potentially if treat you want to be like, okay, you have this bacterial infection that we have to treat with antibiotics. Because kind of gloss over it. Yeah. But you can't really, you need, the patient has to have the information. I know. You feel like. So many things though, like if you just have a random bacteria, then any sort of other illness and the patient isn't asking like specifics. I know. I know. I mean, I kind of feel like that would be better. I don't, I feel like if you are really getting technical on the ethics, that's not the right answer, but I don't know. I, I kind of, if I could go back, I would probably like to cause her less harm and not be bringing up something awful, awful from her past. Yeah. Okay. Let's end on a lighter note. Okay. Uh, you Wait, see- is this another MMI? Yeah. Uh, this is okay. no, this is a more uh, engaging one. So using okay. only verbal instructions, explain to me how to tie a shoe. And you can't see it. Oh my god. This is you know, I don't do well with imagining like spatial stuff in my head. That's not a skill that Did I have. Do you pass organic chemistry then? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> that was very, very hard for me. Okay, now explain to me how to tie a shoelace. You know, I taught you how to tie your shoes. So I feel like, do you know how to tie your shoes now? Okay, then I did a good job. Fine, whatever. <laughs> we'll end on that. Okay. What's going on with you? What? You asked me a question. Yeah, I asked you a question. I asked you a question about yourself. That's how you get people to like you, is you ask them questions about yourself. Oh, no. About you themselves. Know. Remember that. Oh, That's a tip. <laughs> from the person who's so nice? Yes. Very nice. Which, not don't mean to brag, but I did give my seat up on the plane. She texted home. this in our family group chat, and I responded with a the Bible verse. That was like, oh, wait, let's, I forgot what it is. She said, I'm an extremely nice person. I gave up an aisle seat for a middle uh, seat. At the very back of the plane. And I responded, and I said, quote, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it in triumph, as the hypocrites do in the Cernogies and on the streets to be honored by men. Matthew 6, 2. <laughs> it still was very nice of me. I had to be in the very, very back row, where you can't recline at all, right next to the bathroom, where it's stinky and somebody's always standing right next to you. But did they give you a free drink? They said that they would, but I fell asleep. (laughs) So I didn't even get a free drink. Well, I'm such a nice person, actually. Oh, well, tell me about why you're such a nice person. (laughs) This morning, I pulled into the parking garage, and I got out of my car, and I heard this, like, crying. And I was like, oh, like, what? But I couldn't tell if it was laughing or crying a little bit. And I'm not wearing my correct contact prescriptions because I just found these in the bottom of my bag. I didn't have my right contacts. So I couldn't really see that well, which... Probably shouldn't have been driving to work, but Great. I, but I look over and I kind of I couldn't see from a distance, and I just kind of saw somebody on the ground. And at first I was like, oh no, oh, this is like a old woman who fell. So I ran over. I was like, 
are you okay? Are you okay? And it was, it was a woman, probably a little older than me. Um, so younger. And she, like, she was a nurse who works here and she had fallen over and hit her knee. Oh gosh. Yeah. And it was so, it was scary. So then I had to, I was like, oh, are you okay? Do we need to go, we can go get a wheelchair from upstairs if we need to get you out of the parking garage. Like, what do we need to do? And she was like, no, I like, I was like, do you think you're like, you think you need that? Or like, is it just like, she was like, yeah, I'm just scared. I think because she mm. fell and she didn't know if it was really serious or mm. not. So I picked up all her stuff was like all over the place and her phone had flown across. Aww. So I picked everything up and then, and I picked up her coffee that had spilled and then I gave it all back to her and I kind of helped her walk over to the elevator, took her up the elevator to make sure that she was able to walk over there. And then she was like, oh, thank you so much for helping me. I really appreciate it. And she's like, oh no, your shirt, your sweater. And I had gotten coffee because I picked up that coffee all over my sweater. Aww. But I was like, no, it's fine. My scrubs are upstairs. So I have to change it into them anyway. Like, it's fine. Aww. It was fine. I changed my scrubs. So. Did you get the coffee out of the sweater? Uh, no. Oh. Well, okay. You are a nice person. person. Sometimes in the back of my head, whenever something like that happens, <laughs> I think it's like, like in right now, because of all these MMIs that I've been doing, you I'm like, it's, it's a test. It's a test. <laughs> Like, the med schools are testing me. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't do it anyway. Of course, I want to help this person. But I just in the back of my head. Like, sometimes if we're going on, like, because during the interview day, they'll bring us on a tour. And I feel like someone's just going to, like, they're going to yeah, have a scene. Someone's going to cause a scene. And they're going to see who saves the day. And you're going to be like, yes, it's me. I'm coming to the rescue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, so what have, got, uh, what have you got coming up? Like, this weekend? Got Friendsgiving? Oh, yeah, I got Friendsgiving. Um, oh, I'm going to a, a gala. I'm going to a ball. A on, ball? Yeah, like a black tie event on Saturday night. Ooh, fancy. Mm-hmm. Chris invited me. Oh, nice. It's like Margaritaville something. It's the, not Margaritaville. Wait, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, it's not Margaritaville. It's like the Margarita Association of Dallas. They, they do a toy drive and they have a big event. So that they can money. buy margaritas no. for all the deprived children? No. It doesn't have to do with margaritas. Maybe it's not even called margarita. I don't know. Okay. Something. Okay. Something. So. Well, that yeah. sounds fun. Uh, let us know if you have any suggestions of things that we should talk about. Yeah. Give us ideas, feedback, uh, subjects that you're interested in hearing more about. You can give out questions, any of those. Yeah. All right. We will... Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.